morning. Good to see you. You surprised to see me? <laughs> I know. I took a lot of time off the last month, haven't I? Now you know how I feel. Just kidding. I waited for like a month to say that joke. I waited, I did, I waited a long time. I couldn't wait. I'm like, can't wait to tell them that I miss them too and they're not here. You guys get a piece of candy? Get a piece of candy? You guys eat the piece of candy? Who's eating it? Good. Huh? You guys got a piece? You're welcome. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome. Got, got some candy upstairs. Cool. Um, today we're talking about, well, we've been talking about unlimited, and, and we think that God's plan um, for some things like grace and faith, and, and today we're talking about wisdom, that, that these things are unlimited, that, that God has um, just an amount of, of grace, an amount of faith, and, and an amount of wisdom that, you know, can, has no end to it. There's no limits to it, and, and he wants to give you these things. He wants to continue to show his grace. He wants to continue to expand your faith, and there's no limits to that. And I'm grateful for Juan and, and, uh, and, and God speaking through him and uh, last week on that. And, and, and today, just there's no limits to the w- kind of wisdom that God wants you to have today. And so um, I gave you a piece of candy, and hopefully you're enjoying that candy. Hopefully you're, you, you decided that I'm going to eat this now. I hope that you did because it's a part of um, understanding what wisdom is. And I wanted to share with you um, a verse as we as we open up uh, this morning. It's Proverbs 24, 13. It says, my son, this is Proverbs, Solomon, King Solomon, um, outside of Jesus, probably the wisest uh, person to walk this earth. Um, we'll, we'll talk about him at the end here. But he says, Solomon is writing, he says, my son, eat honey. For it is good. And we could put, eat candy, uh, for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. And and I hope that you have a piece of candy in your mouth, and that that candy is sweet to your taste. And here's what he says. He says, I want you to eat honey, or I want you to eat candy, and I want that to be sweet to your taste. And then he says in verse 14, know that wisdom is dust for your soul. Like just like candy, or he's saying honey, just like honey or just like candy is, is sweet to your taste, he says wisdom is dust for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Right? That's the kind of, so how you're tasting that candy right now, that's what I hope that you desire to have um, in your life, wisdom, the kind of, the kind of wisdom in your life that, that God says is, is unlimited. Uh, Proverbs 3.13 says this, same guy wrote this, he, Solomon, he says, how blessed, and that word blessed there is a word that we would um, translate as happy, and so hopefully you're eating a piece of candy and you're, it makes you a little bit happier uh, right now as well. So he says, how happy or how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And so there's something to be had when it comes to wanting to have wisdom there's something to be gained when it comes to gaining wisdom it's 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 like eating a piece of candy as much as you enjoy that taste that's what your soul needs it makes you happy when you find wisdom it's going to make you happy and i think that there is a um a spiritual wisdom to be had um a couple examples in the bible of um some interesting scenarios i think where uh there was some uh, spiritual wisdom demonstrated um, David, when David was a young boy, he was um, asked by his father to go and give food to his brothers uh, when they were out on the battlefield. And so David goes out on the battlefield where his brothers were, and, and he, he uh, you know, takes some food. And they were lined up um, against um, the nation of Israel. They were lined up against another um, powerhouse nation uh, called the Philistines. And they, the Philistines decided that we're going to bring out our champion and the Israelites were to bring out their champion, and whoever won that battle between one champion versus another champion, one great man versus another great fighter, great warrior, that w- would be determined who was going to win that battle for that day. 
And so they brought out, the Philistines brought out this guy by the name of Goliath. Anybody ever heard of this guy before? Anybody know this story? I, I, this is sort of this obscure Bible story that nobody ever hears about. But uh, anyways, the Philistines brought out this, this giant named Goliath, and he's taunting the nation of Israel. And David's there just bringing his food to his brothers. And, and, uh, and, and David's going, why isn't anybody challenging this guy? I mean, we have God on our side. This is just paraphrase. We have God on our side. Why isn't anybody challenging this giant we have God for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Why isn't anybody going out to fight this guy? Nobody was stepping up to the challenge because this man was massive. And everybody thought to themselves, we have no chance. And so David's, I don't know, young guy, probably a, you know, a little arrogant, you know, but really more just God confident you know, in, the, in the fact that he knew that God had his back. He's like, I'll take him, I'll challenge him. You know, you got to imagine now everybody's like laughing and his brothers are embarrassed, like, oh, just go home, you know, David, go home back to dad, you know, and, and David's like, I'll challenge him, I'll take him. And so they bring David to Saul, to King Saul, and King Saul says, you're going to challenge this guy? All right, well, I guess, you know, you know so, da so King Saul's thinking to himself, I've got to now come up with something wise here. I've got to now give this kid his, the best chance of fighting against this giant and so Saul decides that he's going to tell David hey here's my armor you wear this this is what he thought was the wisest thing to do he said here here you go David here's my armor why don't you put my armor on this might give you the best chance and so you got him David was just a little guy and Saul was you know head and shoulders above everybody else and here's giving David his armor. And David, you, you know, he's got this helmet that's probably spinning around his head. You know, he's got the shield that's just way too much for David. And, you know, he hands him his sword. And David's just trying to, you know, you know, you know get a hold of his sword as much as he possibly could, control it as the best that he could. And finally, David's like, you know what? Forget this. He said, I'm just going to go down and I'm going to, I got my slingshot and I'm good. Now, that doesn't sound very wise to me, but there was something about David that said, you know what, there's something unique, there's something different about the approach I want to take with this guy. That I don't, I know that the wise thing would be for me to wear your armor, you know, to carry your sword, you know, and to, and to use that to fight against this giant. But for David, he, he thought otherwise. And David thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to kind of be myself, and I'm going to take the weapon that I know that I know how to use, and I'm going to walk down there, and I'm going to take this guy. And now listen, that didn't seem very wise to everybody else, but we all know the story, right? David walked down to the brook or the water, grabbed five smooth stones, took one in his sling, let it fly, hit him right between the eyes, the giant fell, right? You, you didn't know that story? You don't know that story? This is, that's a great story. You got to read this story. It's an amazing story. But anyways, here's something that David knew. David had some sort of spiritual wisdom to know that I had to do things a certain way that I knew that God was going to use and God was going to honor. That I wasn't going to put on what, what man thought or what King Saul thought was the wisest thing for me to do. And that was to put on his armor, though it made so, some sense, you know, that why he would do that. But David said, you know what? I have some spiritual wisdom and I'm just going to take what little I have and I'm going to walk down. And I'm going to stand before that giant and I'm going to take him on. There's some spiritual wisdom to be had for every single one of us. There is something that is different than what maybe the world, the solution that the world has to offer. There's something different for all of us that's that different than what, you know, what society says or what culture says is wise. But there is some spiritual wisdom for us to have. And that kind of spiritual wisdom, I believe, is, is unlimited. So how do we get this wisdom? How do we get this wisdom? How do we attain this wisdom? Well, I'm just going to get right to the point. Um, we get it from Jesus himself. We get it from Jesus himself. Here's what it says in Colossians chapter number 2. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up. There's a black Bible in your seat around you. You can open that up as well. If you don't own it, you own one, you can have that Bible. Um, Colossians 2 Starting in verse one, number one, it says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full 
assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself. And here's what it says about Christ himself. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Christ Jesus himself, where you find this unlimited wisdom is you find it in the person of Jesus, in a personal relationship with Jesus. That's where you find it. Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. And he says this, verse 4, look what he says. I say this, he says, I say this, because I want all of you to know this mystery. I want all of you to know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want all of you to know how you can have all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguments. Now, we live in an interesting time in our culture. We live in a time where there's, we, we live in a world where people have very persuasive arguments when it comes to the existence of God, the non-existence of God, you know, who Jesus is, who Jesus isn't. There's, there's very, very persuasive arguments that, that are had out there that what oftentimes they do when we get into these arguments is that they delude us. They delude us. They water down our faith. They water down our trust. They water down our confidence. They, they, they water down the very thing that we know to be true, but it sort of, you know, sort of questions it a little bit. It challenges us a little bit. And therefore, because of their persuasive arguments, it sort of just sort of wavers our faith a bit. In 2004, there was a terrible tsunami that happened in the rim of, around the rim of the Indian Ocean. You, you all know, remember this. There was an article that came out, a writer, shortly after that happened, and said this. It said this. If there is a God, he is not good. If God is good, here's what the title said. If there is a God, he is not good. If God is good, he's not God. That was the title of the article, which is commonly a question that many people ask, many people say arguments that people make why does a sovereign god why does a god if he exists why does he allow evil and suffering to happen in this world and so to my quick now listen none of these arguments do i have um enough time this morning to get into it so if you're arguing with me in your head um i'm glad you are um, but I want us to know, I want you to understand that we need to have a conversation outside of this, and it needs to be more of an extended conversation than what I'm having here right now. Is that okay? Here's what I oftentimes respond to those who say that. Um, when people see something like evil and suffering in this world, it oftentimes for them seems to be senseless or pointless, Right? It, we, we, we see these tsunamis that happen and 9-11 that happens, and it seems to be pointless. Well, here's what the way that I would quickly respond to that. I would say that just because it seems pointless to you doesn't mean that it's pointless to a sovereign God. That just because you don't see a point in it, and this is cold, this seems cold and callous, I understand. Again, this needs to be a longer conversation, but just because it seems pointless to you or senseless to you doesn't mean that it is to a sovereign God. And it, as a matter of fact, we have examples in history of people who have become better, people that have gone through suffering and gone and experienced evil and gone through tragic situations, and they've come out of the situation better than they were. Do they wish they didn't go through that situation? Absolutely. Do they wish that they never dealt with that? Absolutely. But the reality is that they've come out to be better people. And some people some people have seen the meaning behind it. Some people have found the point behind it. Some people have. Not everybody, but some people have. And so what, what, usually what I say to people is this. Listen, just because you don't see a point to that doesn't mean that there isn't a point to that. And the other thing that I say to them is this. 
is that doesn't, just because God hasn't put an end to it today doesn't mean that he won't put an end to it one day. Just because there's still evil and suffering in this world now doesn't mean that it won't end someday soon. And the other thing that I say is commonly this. What is telling you what is just and unjust? What is telling you? What is telling you inside that something is just and unjust? Now, C.S. Lewis had these these same issues. C.S. Lewis, before he became a Christian, had these same issues. And here's what he said in Mere Christianity. My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how did I get this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? So C.S. Lewis had these same issues that we deal with today. But when it comes to Jesus following people, when it comes to God-fearing people, which is probably the majority of, it, majority of us in this room, we have, when it comes to evil and suffering in this world, we have a hope. We have a hope. And we believe in a Jesus who took on all of the evil and took on all of the suffering for us all. That we believe in a Jesus who died on a cross. And when he died on a cross, he all by himself took on all of the suffering, all of the evil, all of the what we call sin of mankind. He took it all on the cross so that we can have a hope for a better future. That what God did was this, that he gave the solution to the problem. What do we do with all this evil and suffering? God says, I'm going to give you my son. He's going to take all of the evil and suffering for you so that one day, so that one day when he does make it right again, which he will, when he does clear the world of all evil and all suffering, that you and I won't be punished along with it. Because if God's going to wipe out evil, guess who's going with that? Me. If God's going to wipe out evil, all of those that you love who haven't put their faith in the person of Jesus are going with it. Oh, I came back intense, didn't I? But this is Jesus himself. And the good news for us is this. That what Jesus did on the cross was that he cleared us out of the way. Those who put your faith. This is important. important. What Jesus did on the cross is that he cleared you and me out of the way. Those that put their faith in him. Those who are followers of Jesus. Those who are God-fearing men and women. He removed us out of the way for when he will one day make all things right again. That's good news for us. The resurrection is a picture of the fact that you and I get a fresh start, get a new beginning. Listen, the resurrection is a picture of the place that we're going to go to that is not a consolation of a life that we want, but is a restoration of a life that we've always wanted to have in the future. Listen, that's what the resurrection is. The resurrection is the idea that he's going to make those things that are broken, those things that need repair, those things that bring about hurt and pain and suffering and agony and tears, all of those things are going to be made right again because of the resurrection of Jesus. That he beat death and therefore those that put their faith in Jesus also beat death and get into a place called heaven where there is no more of that pain, no more of that hurt, no more of that struggle, no more of that agony. And here's the good news for all of us. If I haven't already given you enough good news, we know the end of the story. And at the end of the story, not only do we get to go to heaven before he comes back, but when he comes back, you know what's going to happen? Heaven's going to come down to us. 
that there's going to be a new heaven and that there's going to be a new earth. And the only one who can think of that wisdom is an almighty God who extended that to us through the redemption paid atonement of his son, Jesus Christ. That wisdom to be had. You want to have unlimited wisdom? It's found in Jesus himself. No greater wisdom to find that kind of knowledge and wisdom. No greater wisdom. You and I get to choose what kind of faith person we become. Not in some religious experience. Not in some religious system. Not in some great philosophy. We put our faith in the one who stepped out of heaven, stepped out of eternity, came to us, paid our debt, paid our salvation. It's the best wisdom to live full of trust, full of hope, full of confidence. Where we find that wisdom, Do not let anyone delude your trust and faith in it. Do not let anything delude or water down your confidence in a God who loves you unconditionally. Because our confidence is found in Christ Jesus' death. In Christ alone, saying it. In Christ That message, which, by the way, persuasive argument number two, why is Christianity so exclusive? Boy, I can't think of a more inclusive message than the message of Christianity, than the message of Jesus. That everybody is welcome, that everybody gets in the same way, and that everybody meets the requirements. That everybody is invited. Everybody gets in the same way and everybody meets the requirements. Do you know who should be the nicest, kindest, most caring, generous, gracious, hardworking people? People that aren't Christians. I can't believe I say that these days. People that aren't Christian, people that aren't Jesus followers, they should be the nicest, kindest, most caring, most generous, most hardworking, most pe- the people that just like do anything for you or are willing to do be anywhere for you, go anywhere for you. Like, that's the kind of people that should be that, non-Christian people. You know why? Because if people believe in God, here's what they believe. If they believe in God, they believe that there's a God. If they believe that there's a God, that there's a God, and that if I live a good life, if I, get, if I live a moral life, then I get to go to heaven. That if, if there is a God and I live a good life and I live a moral life, then that's what makes, makes me, gets me into heaven. Listen, that's not our gospel. That's not our gospel. I was having a conversation with somebody this week and we were talking about how like, like, how like, you know, we just don't get it right every single day and, and how we just like wish that we did better every day and we, how we wish that we had it more together and wish we didn't say certain things that we said and did certain things and reg- have regrets. And listen, listen, do you know that those are the kind of people that those that put their faith in Jesus, those are the ones, listen, we're accepted not based on what we do. We're accepted based on the works of what Jesus did for us. You don't go to heaven because you're nicer, because you're kinder, because you're more generous, because, because you do good things. You, that doesn't get you and I into heaven. What gets us into heaven is by accepting in a Jesus who already did the work for us. So just take a deep breath. I know that's what you're telling me. 
take a deep breath and relax. Because what gets you into good standing with God simply is Jesus. And what has made Christians over the years and throughout history, what has made Christians so generous, what has made Christians so kind, what has made Christians so compassionate, what has made Christians so hardworking is not based on because they think that they, that's what they need to do to get into heaven, but based on that's what their Savior did. That's what their Savior demonstrated. That their Savior was the one who gave time and energy and was generous with those who were marginalized. That's why we do what we do. That's why we love the way that we love. That's why we are generous the way that we are generous. That's why we give our time sacrificially because that's what Jesus did. None of that should matter whether I'm standing up here or not standing up here. It's, it's the person who's giving something to you, giving Jesus to you. That's what matters the most. Because that's what you need and that's what I need most. Is I need more of Jesus and there is so much of Jesus to be had for all of us. He is unlimited to all of us and what we get from him. What we get from him is found just let's strip away religion. Let's strip away denominations. Let's strip away any ideas of what we think is going to give us a good place to spend our time. Let's just say, you know what? Here's what the gospel is. The gospel is that there's a God who gave us his son. His son took on all of the evil and all of the suffering. And that message is not exclusive. That message is is inclusive. That message is for everybody. Everybody is invited. Everybody gets in the same way. And everybody meets the same requirements. And that is just simply through faith. Isn't that the wisest plan in the world? I don't want to try to figure out how good I have to be, how good is good enough. I don't want to try to figure that out. How far do I have to go? How many good acts do I need to do? I don't want to have to figure all that out. I just want to know that there is one way, and it's through faith in him, and that's it. It doesn't matter how good I am or how bad I am. Everybody is invited, and everybody gets in the same way, and everybody meets the requirement. It's simply through faith in Jesus that's what I long for. That's what I long for. And the hope that we have that one day all of this that's broken, everything that's broken in this world will be made new and restored fully. Everything that was lost will be restored fully. Boy, that is a day that I long to be a part of. And I don't know what this is going to look like for you or for me. I don't know. But here's what I know. Revelation 21, like I said, we win, right? It's, it's, we, it, we, it looks good for us at the end, those who are God-fearing, Jesus-following people. It looks good for us at the end. I don't know what that means. There's going to be like a new 
earth. I don't know. But listen, here's what I know, that we get to still reside here potentially. So let's do this. How about we do this just for fun, okay? Let's say 2 billion and 17, okay? 2 billion and 17, all right? Let's just meet back here. How does that sound? Can we do that? Can you guys get that in your schedule? 2 billion, 17, put it right up here, okay? Because I don't think anything you write it down with will make it. I don't think you put it in your phone. That's going to last through that. But I'm just, let's just say this. In 2 billion, 17, let's just meet right back here. And I'm telling you something, it's going to look, look a whole lot better than this. You know where you might find me? You might find me bathing in Wald Lake. That's where you might find me. And the idea of bathing in Wald Lake right now sounds disgusting to you, doesn't it? That sounds absolutely vile. Somebody told me something about Wald Lake that I did, just didn't want to know and makes me never want to swim in there again. I'm not going to tell you because I wish that they didn't ruin it for me. But listen, if you want to get baptized in there, you're going to have to have somebody else baptize you in there. But I'll be in 2 billion and 17... I'll be in Wald Lake because that's going to be like as pure and as clean because he doesn't just, it's not just a consolation prize of a life that I wish I had. It is a restoration of a life that I've always wanted. So 2 billion and 17, I'll see you back here. But I won't be preaching, that's good news for you. I won't be preaching because that will all be clear to us. Everything will be revealed to you in all of its fullness. There is no need for me, for anyone for that matter, to stand up here and yell at you and say, Hey, all wisdom is found in Jesus because you know what you'll discover in 2 billion and 17? Hopefully I'm right about that. Hopefully returns before then. But in 2 billion and 17, you know what you already know about Jesus? He is the fullness of everything. He is the one who has all the wisdom and all the knowledge. He is the one who redeemed me to a greater extent than I could even fathom and realize. He did take all of my evil and all of my brokenness on the cross. He did that for me. That's what you're going to already know. And you're not going to need somebody like me to tell you that. Because he's going to be shining bright like the sun. There's going to be no sun, by the way. It's just going to be Jesus himself shining bright. No sun, just Jesus shining in all of his glory. And I'll be in Walt Lake. Like it's the purest place. But better. Better. It's just Jesus. So... Next 10 minutes, here's what we're going to do. How do we get there? How do we, okay, Jesus himself, I get it. I, hopefully you get it. Where do we begin with that? Okay, again, I'm going to throw this up here, and then those that are skeptics or have questions, there's going to be another persuasive argument to be had. And let me, let me tell you something. You need to know how to answer those who ask questions. You hear me? You need to know how to give an answer for the hope that is in you. If you don't, you make Christianity look foolish and a house of cards. It's not. Christianity is not a house of cards. So here's where I'm going to tell you to start. When it comes to having the wisdom that is offered from Jesus himself. His words. His words. The majority of you in this room, no issues, issues whatsoever about that. But, but for some, you're saying, man, you know, I don't know about the Bible. I don't know. There's too many inconsistencies, it seems. Like, listen, you've got to have an answer. And I don't have time to get into all of these answers. But I'm telling you, we live in a world of persuasive argument. We live in a world that... It isn't Christian anymore. You know, when I started ministry, here's what I would hear. You know, I think that most religions offer truth or have truth. But here's what I hear now. Here's what I hear now. That most religions are false. What I heard over 15 years ago is that most religions were true. But now what I hear today is that most religions are, are false. That's what I hear. And that's the kind of culture that we live in. We live in a post-Christian culture. It makes it harder for us to invite people to church, doesn't it? Because of all of the 
different things that they've heard and learned and, and somebody told them over, over the years. We live in a post-Christian culture. So here's what I'm t- going to tell you to do. You need, I need to learn the word. I need to understand his word better. Here's what, here's what it says in, um, go to Colossians 5, uh, Colossians 2, verse 6 for me. Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. Now, you, 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 want, you want to have Jesus himself. You've got to know his word. How you know his word is that when you know his word, you're going to be firmly rooted. You, knowing his word is, by, is, like, is the idea of walking with him. It's, you're walking with him. And having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, just as you were instructed, you need to learn. These are ways, ways for you to learn as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. We do this based on his word, based on his word. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. Here's what he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy. Um, he says this. He says, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. Okay, in the last 15 years, our culture, when it comes to the idea of God and the idea of Christianity, the idea of Jesus, the idea of the Bible, has gone from bad to worse. Have you noticed? Come on, help me out. Have you noticed? Yes. Deceiving and even being deceived. Here's what he says, verse 14. You, however, you, however, you, however, Continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of. Are you convinced? How convinced are you? Convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. Are you learning his word? Are you in his word? Are you growing in his word? Are you firmly rooted in his word? You've learned to become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15, and from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now here's what he says about it. He says, I want you to understand that all scripture is inspired by God. In other words, it is God-breathed, Holy Spirit-filled. It is based on distinct and unique men. It is God-breathed, Holy Spirit-filled to distinct, unique men that God gave that to. That's what it means that all Scripture are inspired by God. That we don't look at God's Word as just another history book. It's not just another book in your bookshelf. This is breath on a page. That's what it is. It is God's breath on a page. I don't just teach this book because it's fun and it's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. I teach this. I preach this book with passion and zeal and enthusiasm. I try to inspire you. I give you candy for crying out loud to try to make it interesting for you because it is not just a book. It is God's breath on every single it is given to us by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Unique, distinct, broken men filled by the Holy Spirit given to us. And it is profitable for teaching. It's profitable for teaching. In other words, it's profitable to teach you on what is right. You want to know what is right? You want to know what is true? It's in here. It's not what you think is right, not what you think is true, not what you think is the way that things should be in culture and in society and the way that people should think. Listen, it's not based on, it is not what I think is the best because my wisdom is futile, but based on the wisdom of God and what God thinks. And it is given to us so that it can teach us what is right. 
the truth. To the truth. But when you sit in my office and I come back with you with something that I don't think that the Bible agrees with, it's not my opinion, it's God's. You sit in my office and you tell me that this is the way that you think that I should think or the way that I, you think is right. Listen, it's not what I think is best. It's not even what I think is right. It's what God thinks is right. And so where I find what is right is I find it in here. And there's, there's a slew of reasons of why I believe this is true. I don't have time to get into those today, but I hope you know why. As a matter of fact, I'll probably get into them over the next three weeks. So come back to church. Because we're going to talk about the resurrection and we're going to investigate the resurrection even outside of this book. Even outside of God's word. We're going to look at proof of the res- resurrection. So you have to come back. But listen, it's not just for what is right, but it's also for what is not right. What is not right. And here's what God's word does. It tells us what is not for correction which means how to get it right how to get it right for training in righteousness which means how to stay right this is what we need this is where we get the wisdom of jesus himself in his word jesus gave us a parable of a wise man and a fool man He gave a parable of somebody who was foolish and somebody who was wise. And you know what he said? He said this. He says, the wise man is somebody that hears my word. The wise man is somebody that hears my word and does them. The wise man is the one who builds his house on a rock. And those that build their house on the rock are those who hear my words and do my word. They do it. They live it out. They apply it to their life. That's somebody who is wise. He says somebody who's a fool is somebody who builds their life on sand. And when you build your life on sand, he says those who are like the foolish men who hear my words and don't do it. Be wise. Don't be a fool. Know his word. Know his word. Know his word. that you know what you're getting unlimited wisdom unlimited wisdom verse 17 he says this so that the man of god may be adequate in other words adequate means to be fit or to be in shape to be fit or to be in shape so you want to know his word know his word so you can be fit and in shape and he says equipped in other words that word equipped means to be furnished to be furnished Do you know what happens? Do you know what it looks like for somebody that doesn't know his word? Do you know what happens for somebody that doesn't know his word? It's like you have this massive house, but it's empty. You have this huge house with all these rooms, but there's no furniture in it. So you go home, you may have a refrigerator with some food in it, but you sit on the floor and you eat your food. You have this beautiful home, which is the gospel message of Jesus. And everybody's included, and everybody's invited, and everybody gets in the same way, and everybody, you know, all, all that. Listen, you, you have this massive house, but listen, when you don't know his word, it's like you have this house with no furniture in it. It's awkward. I don't want to be invited to your house. I don't care what it looks like. If you don't have a couch to sit on, I don't want to go. Knowing, for knowing doctrine. Defending the faith. No, here, 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 I added this in here for, this is not why we do this, for knowing doctrine and defending the faith. It's not why we do this. It's for every good work. That's why we do it. That's why we know doctrine. It's not so that we can know doctrine and defend faith. It's not why. I don't want you to misunderstand me. But it's for every good work. That's why. If you want to have wisdom unlimited, then Jesus himself. How we know more about Jesus, it's in his word. When you apply his word, you're going to be like that wise man who built his house. Not like the foolish who built his house on sand. 
It is for us to teach us. It's profitable for us to teach us, to give us correction, to keep us in the same direction, and to know what is true and what is not. The other thing that I want to encourage you to do is this, is to be in his presence. To be in his presence. You know what Solomon prayed for? Solomon had one, one prayer, prayer before he became king, or right after he became king. And it wasn't what most kings pray for. Solomon didn't pray for, you know, um, riches. He didn't pray for wealth. He didn't pray for, you know, peace and prosperity. He didn't pray for any of that. You know what Solomon prayed for? He prayed for wisdom. He prayed for wisdom. That's what he prayed for. And you want to get wisdom? And you want to get that wisdom from Jesus himself? It's first, it's found in his word. And you've got to know his word. You've got to know his word. Not because you're defending faith or not because you're trying to prove doctrine. But because it helps you in every good work. In every good work. And you know what, being in his presence is where we get wisdom from. James makes it very clear to every one of us in James 1.5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Isn't that pretty clear? If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously, unlimited, generously, without reproach, and it will be given Jesus himself, found in his word, found in his presence. You want wisdom unlimited? It's found in him. You got to know his word and apply it to your life. You got to be in his presence and ask him for the wisdom. There is wisdom to be had, and it's not found in this world. It's not found in our culture. It's found from above. Wisdom from above Because when it's all said and done, for all of us, here's what Moses says in Psalm 90. Look what he says. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years or induce strength 80 years. And for some cases, because of, I'll say, modern medicine, 90 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly he says, who understands the power of your anger and the fury according to the fear that is due to you? In other words, that one day we're all going to be held accountable to a holy God one day. All of us are going to stand before a holy God one day, and we're all going to have to give an account of our life. And he says, who understands the power of your anger and the fury according to the fear that is due to you? But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, he moves us out of the way, and he accepts us in his in his presence because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. But he says this, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart According to Moses, when none, none, nothing else mattered. It wasn't a heart of faith. It wasn't a heart of trust. It wasn't a, a heart of good deeds. It wasn't a heart of, you know, of, of kindness. None of that was what Moses said was the most important thing that we present to God. What Moses said, what he thought the most important thing when all of it was said and done, whether you live 70 years or 80 years or 90 years or 100 years or however long you get to live, that when you present, what you get to present to God is a heart of wisdom. And that wisdom is only found in Jesus himself. Jesus himself. You want to know more about Jesus? It's found want to know more about what Jesus has to offer when it comes to understanding and wisdom, it's being found in his presence and asking for wisdom. And he gives it generously. Wisdom. Found in him. Every one of us. Praise be to God.
himself to everyone because at his name every knee will bow and every tongue you hearing me every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is it is all about him it is all for him and all honor and glory and power and all of your life the thoughts and intents of every person here. With your breath on a page given to us, stained over history, given to us to attain some sort of wisdom that is different than what the world has called good. It's this kind of wisdom that we want to live by and it's this kind of wisdom we want to follow but not only do you give us your word but you just make yourself accessible to us even right now in this very moment that all of us in this room get to go to your your throne room and get help to get mercy to get grace Lord, we're so grateful that we have this opportunity to just stand in your presence right here in this moment and that you are challenging us, you are speaking to hearts and lives, you are convicting, you are motivating, you are inspiring, Lord, right here in this moment to each individual person because your relationship with us is personal.